0: Folks, in, Welcome to Gelsnet, the independent managers podcast made by fans for fans, where all your content is absolutely free. Coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name's Alec Anderson and I'll be your host this evening, Friday the 6th of October 2023. As we take uh, not so much a, a wee look back at last night, I'll do a quick preview of this weekend as uh, rubber faces in the arid dirt of two straight Rangers defeats in two different competitions under two different management teams will wonder how the hell we're going to survive a trip to Paisley on Sunday uh, and seek to find solace in the list of potential new Rangers managers, all infused with a level of scatter blaming and head on a plate demanding that would put Herod and his new missus to shame. This is episode 290 of the Net podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Uh, Rangers might have lost 5 games by their first fixture of October but we're up to 6.6 thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel and it's a a huge consolation to know so many of you are coming here to share your woes and and listen to ours quite frankly it's a lovely community we've got going here. We're going out live on our YouTube channel right now but this pod will be available to watch and or listen to any time on YouTube and from tomorrow it should be available on Acast, iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher. Spotify and all decent and reputable pod providers. If you're joining us live and um, you can give us a, a wee bit of feedback if you like. Uh, on the live YouTube comment section also don't forget we've got a swish new updated jersnet.co.uk website complete with a friendly discussion forum and a wealth of articles from our contributors including the highly impressive history archive please please hit the thumbs up icon and if you could be so kind let your pals know that we're here I want to get us up to 6,660 subscribers so we look nice and satanic you know on, uh, on YouTube Before I bring in my quietly seething guest, I'll mention our sponsors. Forest Precision Engineering, established in 1983, is a leading leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. Based in Glasgow, their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. They're leading manufacturers of special purpose machinery for a range of applications. Their website is at forestprecisionengineering.com. They're big friends of Rangers and have got a stunning new hospitality area within the Ibrox main stand. For information on how to look how to, how to book the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a unique and intimate space, email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. And so to my guest, uh, I don't know about you folks, but before we go off on an international break, I can assure you that, yes, sir, I can doogie. I can doogie, <laughs> woogie, woogie, all pod long. <laughs> How are you doing mate? I, I mean, I'm just thinking that you and I, we're playing, we're playing the fives, um, even though you, you led me a merry dance, uh, most of the time we're playing fives, uh, I could still have done a better job than, than most of the players we had in the park last night. How, how are you coping with this mate?
1: Um, I'm not, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I've been a miserable bastard for, for the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, if only Rangers were as well organised as that introduction, Alex. <laughs> um, I think y- you mentioned the community within net, looking at the comments. I think we're going to be a, a, a support group tonight as we all try and uh, support each other through this very, very difficult time to be a ranger supporter.
0: I you, it's, a, it's, a, it's just one big gestalt session. We're all just sitting in the round, just uh, letting it all out, because that's the answer the only way to get through this, I think, right now, mate. And uh, the thing is, we haven't had you on the pod since... Michael Beale left the cup and as a, a stalwart of Jersey, uh, we really need to get your thoughts your opinion in that seminal moment for the club but typical of the kind of, kind of vortex that the team seems to be plummeting down at the moment before you even get to review the Beale disaster or, or talk about the appointment of Stephen Davis' as interim another crisis takes over with one of our worst ever European results last night just simply one of our, our worst results of all time full stop um, I don't know if it's a Bromley boy uh, Beale, he's not a Cockney but last night it felt like his kind of final revenge and his sacking with the Rangers was to just give it to us right up the Aris. Uh, Aris Limassol, last week's, uh, last week's flagship pod after the 3-1 defeat to Aberdeen, when events kind of overtook that, there's little point in analysing the game uh, in too much detail because it was just, it demands a much wider discussion, the fallout from it. But playing devil's advocate, uh, it was a terrible pitch, you know, as used by three different home clubs, that, that pitch in Limassol. Uh, we had our manager obviously sacked just days previously. The players have got a teammate suddenly taken over. Uh, and as a swathe of kind of first team injuries, was there any any excusing any part of that performance last night, mate? No, none, absolutely none.
1: Um, you, you, you just said there, Alex, around one of our worst European nights um, of our very long and very proud history. Um, last night, as, as as it was getting towards the end of the game, I was thinking back to progress in the corner, and, and for me, that was that was the worst. Um, I probably wasn't surprised to hear today that Aris Limassol are twenty places below Progress Nea and for so many different reasons, I think last night was worse. I think the, the the rankings speak for themselves. They are a lower ranked team than than Aris. Um, I've got a mate that actually lives in in Limassol, um, and he's been oh, he's been lauding over me um, since since last night. Um, but I think there's there's very different circumstances between um, this game against Aris versus Progress. You know, I don't want to go down the, the 2012 route, for example. But when we played Progress, we were still a team in recovery. Um, you look at that squad that we were we were building; it was it was a shambles. When you look at the 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 lack of um, balance within that team, two years ago we were in a European Cup final. You know, three years ago, we we, we won the league um, to have to regressed to the level that we were at last night where, you know, my mate who lives in Limassol always saying that they're a pub team. You know, he's a Portsmouth fan and he's calling them a pub team. We were the ones that looked like the pub team last night. And that's the thing that really, really angers me. I think. There's a lot of fingers to to, to, to point at right now, Alex. So you could literally point a finger towards govern right now and, and it would land on someone and, and it would be the right finger to, to to point at right now. But what a mess Michael Beale has left us in. I'd go as far as say he has set us back years with this summer. Years. You know, it it looked all so promising when he took over and you had the January transfer window. Nico Raskin and Todd Cantwell got as excited in terms of what type of calibre of player. Michael Beal was identifying. It was exciting because you were looking at these two young players with with fantastic profiles. Where have we gone so wrong in the summer? You know, we've we've all spoken about it through the podcast around the the standard of signing. It was just laid bare last night. You know, there's there's, there's a couple of things that you can you can call out. You can call out the number of games that we've been playing recently. Um, you know i don't know what it's at these days but we're averaging a game every every two or three days um there's a lot of games you can point the fingers at the injury list at the moment there's obviously a lot of key players missing um those are huge contributing factors to to the reason why our managers lost his job you can point the finger at the pitch the the, the surface but we are glasgow rangers and and they are at east limisol you know that team that was out there they are they should be good enough to beat a team from Cyprus, first and foremost. But where my frustration lies is when you're looking at that team and you're, you're, you're looking at the weak links of that team, there are no signings. You know, you're looking at that front line. Lammers and, and Dessers in particular were just unbelievably poor. They're the players that we've identified to create this rebuild, the largest rebuild in, in recent history that we've been promised. And the players that have been brought in look far less, you know, they're far less capable than the players that have, that have left. And I understand why there's a lot of fingers being pointed at the guys that have been here for a number of years because, you know, you look at James Tavernier, Connor Golton and, and John Lundstrom in particular last night. I think their effort was was a disgrace to to the supporter. Um, Lundstrom,
0: that's the second goal. Just, there was a, I've seen anything like it. <laughs>
1: I mean, you can point fingers at Goldson for the first goal as well. How I'll just Lundstrom to totally, totally. with the, the half-assed effort to, to, to get back and, and and put a tackle in, really substandard. Lundstrom's been one of our best players the past month. Aye. And that's the thing that just really angers me is how can you go from being one of the best players to put in that level of performance? And we were just talking beforehand about Stephen Davis is a club legend. He is a deserving Hall of Famer. And last night, the players just spat in his face. They spat in his face and they spat in the face of every single Rangers fan. You know, Grant, who, who's been on the podcast um, a couple of times, travelled to Linersault, he went to the game. You know, he was telling telling us earlier on around some of the routes that Rangers fans had took and the money that it cost to get to Cyprus. You know, guys flying from Glasgow to London, London to Malta, Malta to Cyprus. You know, these weird and wonderful routes. I see on, on Twitter tonight when I was when I was uh, coming home on the train from work, guys that were, were stuck um, in foreign countries because their connecting flights had been delayed or cancelled. And, you know, these guys have put in hard cash to, to be there. They've put in their, their well-deserved earnings from, from from work. They've taken holidays. They've left their families behind. They've made an effort to be there. And, and that performance just disrespected every single Rangers fan. I could sit here all night about about how disappointed I am and how angry I am. And a lot of fingers get pointed at at the players on that pitch because they were substandard it goes it goes further than michael bureau's identification of players for me though alex we gave the keys to ibrooks to a novice rookie manager we we i, I said it in a previous podcast about our lack of infrastructure above the manager and i've spoken about the fact that i can't believe james bisgrove doesn't feel the need to to replace ross wilson now everyone knows the failings of Ross Wilson, but giving Michael Beale the freedom to do what he wanted, just feels like the biggest mistake that we've made in years. And and I look at it in terms of what is our what 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 is our system, what is our strategy right now? Because we'll come on to the names in the frame, for example. But Stephen Davis came in last night, and it looked like he was going with. Um, with wingers, right? So Michael Beale started to go back towards a 4-2-3-1 after recruiting for a 4-4-2 with the inverted box um, midfield, we, we eventually went with wingers. But the issue that I've got with that is Stephen Davis can only piss with the cock that he's got. You know, we had to start Scott Wright last night in a European game. Scott Wright, who we touted out all summer for 500000 pounds and didn't get any bites from, from English championships, all of a sudden is starting in a European game for Rangers. And I think that's systemic of the lack of balance in our squad right now. Um Seaman and and, and and Scott Wright were a only fit wingers. You know, Stephen Davis has came in straight away and he's looked at at Lammers, for example, and he's he's thought he doesn't have the the pace to play out wide. I just think our Our team is so imbalanced that we've allowed it to be imbalanced because we, you know, one of the things when we brought in Ross Wilson was he he was always going to create this identity. This is a Rangers way of playing football so that if a a manager fails, a new manager comes in, we've got the Rangers identity. And I thought that was going to be a 4-3-3 where you get rid of Michael Beale and you bring in a new manager and that new manager inherits a team of players that suit that formation. A new manager comes in and wants to play his style of football. A magic wand couldn't get a better tune out of these players right now. And and, and that's the issue that I've got right now about, about bringing in a new manager. It's badly needed. I think last night probably sped up the decision-making amongst the board. But the new manager, whoever he is that comes in, is going to need miracles to happen with that squad right now. Because it's it's genuinely the worst squad that I've seen in, in a decade. And... I said it earlier on around the regression how we've got to the position where that's one of the worst squads in a, in a decade is just it's a disgrace
0: alex uh, yeah I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna agree with you mate on the like spat in their face i kind of think i think i mean I, i'm not trying to fight with yeah, you i feel as if you know i'm like you know uh, I, I don't think they would i don't think the players would be, would be thinking about it uh, to that level but maybe that's the problem they're not uh, a lack of consideration whatever for the for the fans that have made that journey and something we have to remember the fans obviously uh they volunteer to do they're looking for, like you're quite right in what you're saying they they're wanting the players to they're volunteering to do it because they think the players are going to respect their effort in getting there um, and they're going to put that effort and one thing i would say i couldn't help thinking particularly because conor goldson was coming out today Or I saw, I saw the the interviews today where he's doing the same thing he did after that League Cup semi final against Hibs, you know, less than two years ago, where he's trying to apologise and then he's realising apologising sounds even more pathetic and he's going to get that shoved in his throat. So he's trying to kind of not apologise and apologise for not apologising. He's so scared of sounding like a shirker and he knows people are going to say, we don't care about apologies. Where's the performance? And he tries to, it's almost kind of meta metatextual. He's trying to observe himself. And I think it's genuinely meant the big man was ranked last night. He was absolutely terrible. Um, that first goal was just pathetic. I mean, it was just, it was so, it was such a sucker punch after what Aberdeen had done to his last Saturday. Um, I feel as if, when you've got somebody like Conor Golson, who, like we keep saying, has been a European final, led as, as much as anybody else to a European final just 18 months ago. For him to have got there, it, the last time we had a caretaker management team was that League Cup semi-final and that was between Steven and Gerrard leaving because Aston Villa wanted him, you know, um, because a, a mega club with mega money came in and took him away and uh, between Giovanni Van Bronckhurst taking over and beating Sparta Prague in his first game to get us into the next round, it was just right slap bang in the middle of that, we put in this awful performance and Goldson's uh, chat that day I was kind of stuck up from after it got a lot of criticism for it but I think it came from a place where he wanted the players to take on the responsibility from like David McCallum and all that basically the kind of youth team and, and academy guys who'd come in just to take over the management team and he was like we were a disgrace today you've got Scott Arfield and Alan McGregor total blue nosies in the team that day as well proper proper men proper leaders but we still were feeling nothing doing after half an hour to Hibs and I wonder if what's happened last night it's just that, you know, we're bad enough already, as you say, this season, but it's like Stephen Davis coming in actually confuses the issue. They get emotional in their heads, but their instincts are saying, like, we need to do this for Davo." You know, our teammate, we don't, this looks like we could be letting him down. We need to do this. And also, but instinctively, they're thinking, he's not going to be the manager. He's not the guy I need to impress. You know, so they end up getting kind of confused before they even on the park. And it leads to that kind of horrific performance last night. Um, is it more like a kind of systemic thing where if there's like a, for example, a director of football in there, they know that somebody who's got a big say in whether they're in the team or not is not just watching them in terms of making sure they're performing, but also taking the pressure off, taking the pressure off the players. So the minute I, hear, I start hearing players saying, we're going to do it for such and such, I think, no, you're not going to be able to. Players just need to be bollocks scared of the manager or have such respect for them. They just—they don't even have to think about who they're doing it for. They just go out there and they do it, you know. And I—I I don't know if this is part of, a, as I say, a systemic failure where we don't actually have a director of football in there, and and maybe taking that result in isolation, just the kind of thing that happens when you've got a caretaker management team. Um,
1: I think it sums up the current group of players, Alex. I know we don't want to go and bash them too much, right? But no,
0: no, go for it, mate. Go for it. They deserve it after that last night.
1: I, I do. You know, I—I I, I just think there's a lack of lack of leadership within the first team squad and a, la- a lack of character and fight. Could you imagine, personal pride here, right? Could you imagine um, you had players like Barry Ferguson or Richard Goff or, or, you know, these kind of natural winners in a squad where the manager leaves, but you are up against a a middle side from Europe and a European tie, putting in the level of performance that some of our players did last night. and. You know, you you spoke about defending Connor Goldson um, after the, the Hibs final. I, I did as well. I actually thought his comments were taken out of context, but they were from a place of genuine care. And I'll be honest, I thought last night as well, he was in a, a no-win situation. Um, fans want blood, right? I don't know. Fan, fans want to hear the players apologise. They want to hear the players suffer. But the minute they do apologise, the minute they do show that they're suffering, then they're shown us a weakness. And you know, they, no player who's going to stand in front of supporters, whether it be Connor Golding in front of a camera or, or James Tavernier in front of the Union Bears, was going to come out with any kind of credit last night because it's a time Robert had said earlier on in the WhatsApp. It's a time to take your medicine. You know, we've just we've just we've just put in a very bad performance against a team that we should be beating. We've just lost two games in a row. I don't even want to think about losing three in a row, but it's a time for us to just listen. It's a time to listen to the support. The players need to listen to the support, our frustrations, our concerns. And they need to take it in the chin because um, it's those players that have let us down. Um, And whilst there's a lot of finger pointing right now, and whilst we can point fingers at the Lammers and the Dessers, I'll be honest, my fingers last night were firmly pointed at, at Golton, Tavernier and, and Lindstrom And the reason for that being is that is our leadership group. And the similarities there between been between Hibbs and, and Aris is I don't think those players have showed that leadership on the pitch. And um probably first time I've been in this position, Alex, because because I like I like Goldson and I like Tav. Um I've I've been I've been Tav's biggest fan since he joined. I think he's been a, a, a great Signing and I, and I did think he was a deserving Hall of Famer. That was the final straw for me last night, and I think I think it was probably the final straw for a lot of supporters last night. I think it was probably a huge moment um, for this current group of players because I think I think they just lost. I think they just lost the faith of the support, and I think if you were to, you know, I seen I seen uh, Frankie put a. A poll earlier on about manning the match and it just, it just summed it up that Ross McCausland was one of the three options, um, <laughs> as to how everyone else performed. But I think if you were to put a poll out right now around, do you think the time is right to get rid of the, the leadership team of this first team squad? I would be surprised if it was not unanimous that, uh, that we need to, we need to move them on now.
0: I am more. I'm more in the the position. I'm, I'm saying myself, a huge fan of Tav, and I think he gets so much abuse that he, he, it almost kind of radicalizes you into supporting him really vigorously. You know, I know I'm not really that problem with that. I think his stats and you know, speak for himself, and I can hear people saying, "Well, he's defending, speaks for himself, and what have you." But um, uh, he's going to be 32 this month. Uh, I don't know. People are saying he's had the, he's had a really poor season, but I still think I think the whole squad is, we're saying is a really poor season, and he's. I think guys Alex. Uh, they're, they're he's got the same as as Sorry, mate? It has, yeah, he has. I was going to say that
1: they're, they're good players when we're playing well. Even we are not playing well, they just look really, really poor. You know, James Tavernier has had his his poorest form for for a number of years. I think that's because he's playing in a poor team right now. I don't think it's any coincidence if we're a a, a firing performing team that you get the best out of guys like James Tavernier. And you know, I mentioned before the before the game, Ronald De Boer had said that about Dessers. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Yes, I. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ronald the board had said that with Desa. Ronald the De board, when we were linked with Desa, said that Desa is a, a a complete confidence player. When when um, when Desos confidence is low, he's going to look like a non-league player, and you're going to be thinking, "Who is this guy playing for? Playing for this football club?" But he's a player that when he's got confidence and he's on form, you're going to be sitting there going, "Whoa, where's this guy been this whole time?" And I just think there's too many players like that in the Rangers team right now that you can't be like that. At Rangers, you need to be able to be prepared to roll up your sleeves and fight. And I hate to go down this route, right? But I seen a comment last night, and I and I think it resonates with me. I don't think last night happens if you get more Rangers fans in, the, in that in that eleven. And I think that's a big issue for me. Is I think the lack of natural, you know, born and you you're born a Rangers fan, and you'll die a Rangers fan in that team. I think the lack of. Real Rangers men in that team last
0: night showed? I, 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 the reason he thought I couldn't hear you is because I'm screwing my face because I've stuck on this again. I don't know about that. Disagree away. Talk- eh? I'm talking about me being radicalised uh, when, it, when it comes to Tav, and I, I think he is. I think he gets us going. I think when we're, and like for example, last season we get beat 3-2 at Parkhead, he scores both our goals. I think yeah. he does step up when we're losing in a way that, you know, it, that people maybe don't appreciate as much as possible. We're well, talking about Barry Ferguson, but they've never happened with Barry. Barry single-handedly get rid of Paul Le Guin and uh, ends up, I saw him, the caretaker manager, Ian Durant, January 2007. Uh, we go to you know, basically, it's basically Barry Ferguson running the team We, we Ian Durant on the bench uh, in the technical area and we go to Dunfermline's up at the game at East End Park who hadn't won a game all season and we're 3-0 down in the Scottish Cup. We go, we go 3-2 and we end up in a European final 16 months later. I guess this crazy thing of when things look absolutely terrible, you know, next thing Barry's leading as a European Cup final and Walter had a word with him as well. I think, you know, I could be really pedantic, you know, John Gregg, greatest of a Ranger, a Hearts fan as a kid and all that. I don't, I think it's about Rangers standard, the Rangers class, you know, in, instead of having... you know, and, and How do you learn that except being brought up around your sport? That's the best way to learn that. You're, you're absolutely right. But uh, I, I can't let anybody off of that performance. Everybody, including Tav, are totally on their own. They have to defend themselves. Um, and I thought that just the reaction, it's an easy thing to say, but, you know, when, when John Lundstrom was a quick shot of John Lundstrom's face after he had given the ball directly to um, an Aris player who he had a start on in terms of catching him and then just couldn't... Catch the guy and just watch them walking it, you know, across these Who got in front of Davis to, to walk into the back? And it was a look in Lundstrom's face of, oh well, what you're going to do, you know, just gonna kind of, all right. There was no, oh Christ, I, I don't mean. It's almost like we want to see them suffering, but then you would think, well, get yourself back together. Why, you, you know, you, you need to take a stand up to this. Well, so I don't know. I can't sit and guess what's going on with the players just now. But there is this thing. We've started seeing the comments, you know, um, and social media is never a great place to judge the, how the Rangers support in general is feeling. But oh, even Alfredo Morales, he wouldn't have done it, which I had Alfie instead that. No, Ryan Kent, you know, who everybody wanted to rid of last season, you know, oh, Kent wouldn't have done that. He because I go, him in the team and all that. Is there going to, is there any danger that we might overreact? You know, I'm ready to bend them all last night as well. <laughs> any danger that we might overreact. I think you're exactly right what you're saying, because I think it was the new players, like see Sima and Dessas and all that, they were trying their heart out. Dessers and Lammers as well, really trying, but just no good enough. Whereas I think the guys who are good enough looked as if they weren't trying back. Find that difficult to believe that they weren't trying, you know? That's where you can
1: talk yourself around in circles, though, isn't it? You talked about I just have them <laughs> no,
0: but you know, James Tavernier
1: single-handedly took us to European final. In my eyes, you know, he dragged us <laughs> through some, some some games. And you, you go back to that Barry Ferguson team, and they then got to Manchester in the final. That's the bit for me, Alex is. We were chatting about this last night in a separate WhatsApp chat. You look across Europe, there was a whole bunch of failed Rangers rejects playing across Europe this week. You had Cardozo playing for Porto against Bayern Munich. Itten scored for, for Young Boys. And there was another centre-back. Who was the other centre-back that was playing last night? There was, a, there was another failed player um, playing. And, and I, I think that's the point. Is There's all these players that are deemed not good enough for Rangers. But somebody else, it was Hollander, sorry, it wasn't he was playing in Europe, it was it was a called Aye. up the Sweden squad. <laughs> he's he he's he has played four games in a row. I mean, when was the last time that Hollander played four games in a row? But it's it's these guys seem to leave Rangers and then you suddenly get a tune out of them. And you just wonder how much of it is mental. You know, I was just saying beforehand about the team lineup. For example, you know, Raskin completely out the blue travels in fact Raskin and Ruth travel to to to, to Cyprus completely out of nowhere these guys travel you just wonder how much of it is genuine injuries or how much of it is mental they don't want to fight for the manager that's there and I think that's the point I was going to go to in terms of we could talk ourselves around the circles here right What, what we need is leadership from the very top of Rangers football club right now we need somebody to come out and say we have made a massive balls up we're going to fix the situation um, we, this is how we are going to fix the situation, this is our blueprint, how we're going to fix the situation and not allow us to get into this mess again. Let's unveil the manager, let's allow the manager to tell us how he's going to turn it around. But these guys that, that we are sitting criticising, James Tavigny, or Connor and John Lundstrom, month, you know, 24 months ago, the, John Lindstrom was the best on earth. And I've just spoken with these guys that have all left us, could a different manager, and, and I keep talking myself around it just now, right, because could a different manager come in and get a tune from these guys that we are sitting here right now absolutely raging because because of how poor they were and how poor they've been this season. But we've seen the reaction when Gio came in after the Hibs game. You know, that same team that get beat against Hibs then got us to a Europa League final. And the biggest difference between Seville and Manchester is Manchester, we were defending for our lives. You know, it was a tactical masterclass for Walter Smith. But it wasn't, we weren't blowing teams away where we were. I, I'll never say we were lucky to get to a final because you're never lucky getting to a final, but we fought We fought to get to the final. Whereas see the Europa League final, we deserved to be in the final. And we were probably a tapping away from Ryan Kent or a, a missed penalty away from Aaron Ramsey from actually lifting a European trophy with this majority same core group of players. And that's where I just keep on going around in circles just now around, Yes, they, they deserve to be criticised. They deserve to be to be slaughtered by the supporters. I've seen they landed in Glasgow, and I'm surprised I didn't see any footage from from uh, Glasgow Airport this afternoon of, of fans arriving in numbers to show their, 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 their frustration. I expect that we're going to get that on Sunday against the Mirren. I think this international break's coming at a brilliant time, Alex, because it allows us as supporters to, to vent and ensure frustration away from the players the players can go away and they can regroup they can get their heads together but I tell you what we need to make a very quick decision on bringing in a new manager and and, and hopefully that international break is used to to bring in the new manager and for him to to come in and decide you know look at these Michael Beale kept going on about looking at players in the eyes let's look at the guys in the eyes again and look at who actually wants to stay and fight for Rangers football club because when you were looking at game guys like James Tavernier and, and his um, pre-match press conference, and, and and then you look at guys like Connor Golden, John Lindstrom's body language in the game. Are they here for the fight? Are they going to literally fight? Are they going to bleed for this for this football club and, and show how much they want to be here? That's going to be a a big call from the manager who who stays and who goes.
0: And talking of. That manager, Jersey um, regular and ever-reliable source, Chris Jack of the Rangers Reviews tonight tweeted, it's about half past seven, Rangers will hold final stage interviews with managerial candidates next week. Frank Lampard will not be involved in that process and I think you and I both want to pass on our uh, condolences to Craig Ray, uh, <laughs> a massive, a massive uh, Frank Lampard fan, uh, massive Chelsea fanboy. So that's not going to happen uh, according to Chris and Chris is he's really wrong with this kind of stuff. It's absolutely vital we get a replacement in during the international break, eh, uh, Doogie. And, and are you looking for like a long-term gaffer or a more kind of experienced interim to take a placehold to the end of the season while we look like, for example, maybe get a director of football and to properly scout for the next permanent manager? What are you, I mean, it's amazing. This is two seasons in a row. The international break after St. Mirren away. It's, we're thinking there's going a different manager, uh, when we come back. But uh, what are you looking for over this international period in terms of the manager search?
1: You know, that's a good point, though, Alex. You know, me and my dad always go on about the Albert Einstein quote about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different response. That's how I feel right now about if we go and appoint a different manager, you've got the same players there, you've got the same recruitment team picking the players and and buying the players. Are we really going to be expecting anything different just from a new manager coming in? I'm not sure. Big big changes are required to, to turn this around. I think we we absolutely need to bring in a, a new manager because um, I think I think when you have an interim manager in there, I think this is a danger. You could you could go down the interim route between now and the end of the season and bring in an experienced head. I just don't think these players buy into an interim managers. We've we've witnessed, you know, we've spoken about Hibbs. We've spoken about last night you know, with Stephen Davis and and um, was it David McCallum that covered the cover we've, we've seen it so many times, even Graham Murphy before that, where the interim manager doesn't work you know you could go down the route of you know i've seen i've seen some really out there ones of guys like neil warnock and there i don't think we should be go down down that route if i'm honest i think i mean do you wait do you bring in a director of football and then you wait to see you know what they implement in the club and then identify their man you know one thing that's on the table right now alex is that you kill both birds with one stone you know one of the names in the frame right now is philippe clement um, from from Belgium, Philippe Clement is just fresh from from Monaco, um, where he worked alongside is it Paul Mitchell, who yeah. who is the director of football at, at Monaco. We we actually have apparently spoken to Paul Mitchell in the past around coming to Rangers as director of football.
0: That be, you know, before, before
1: he was at Monaco, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was when we appointed Ross Wilson, and he was one of the names in the frame. So you've got an opportunity right now where a director of football is out of a job who we have spoken to in the past and, and, and I believe we, we were interested in Paul Mitchell but he, he, he decided to go abroad. You've got the opportunity there to bring in somebody who can implement that structure alongside a manager who is interested in the job apparently and who has a very credible CV. He has a, a winning CV. You know, he's won the 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 Belgium League, is it the Juleper League? Is it Belgium? Yeah, Yeah, so he's won the Belgium League three seasons in a row with two teams. And if you look at Monaco, I read kind of stats on Monaco, he turned around a a very poor Monaco side and got them into the Champions League, um, playing a a, a very kind of um, familiar brand of of football. There is an opportunity there where you kill both with one stone, you bring in that director of football who, who, who brings in a manager alongside him that he's worked with before and he trusts. And they complement each other. Out of all the the names that are being put in front of us just now, that's the one that appeals to me most. And it appeals to me most if they come as a package. And that's the bit that I think appeals to me because you've then got the infrastructure behind the scenes, and you've got Clermont that can then um, within the team um, implement his 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 style of football. But I've just seen um, Frankies put out the poll, and and, and there's other names in the frame. You know, Frank Lampard's been been ruled out. Um, in the last 24 hours, Oliver Glasner, who is a manager that's familiar to, 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 to Rangers fans for all the wrong reasons, is, <laughs> has came forward. I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Glasner, but it's an interesting one in terms of, obviously, he's 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 one of uh, many ex-Rangers, well, I was going to say ex-Rangers European final managers who wants to manage with Dak Advocate being at Rangers then Zenit. Um, It would be the opposite way for for Glasner. I don't know a lot about him, I don't know what his style is, etc. But when you get guys of that pedigree who have obviously won a European trophy, putting their name in the hat, it it, it gives me a bit of hope because, I'll be honest, when I watched that last night I thought what manager on the right staying mind is going to want to touch this group of players? It just looks like a poison chalice right now. So it's encouraging that you've still got guys of that quality and, and, and hopefully that's what the interview process brings out. Is that you're speaking to these guys around what is their style? How do they intend to Im- implement it? Um, and you can then you can then get a feel for who's the right man for Rangers Football Club because we've seen it so many times. Paul Gwen was this you know European hot prospect manager when, when we appointed him, and he was really really exciting from from coming from Lyon to, to Rangers, and then he just bombed at Rangers. He got it so wrong. And that's where you can't just take somebody who's who's done it somewhere else and and, and plop them into to the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl with with everything at, at, at Rangers and, and expect expect miracles. So it's important that we sit down with these guys. The last name in that frame is Kevin Muscat, and um, there's a lot to like about Kevin Muscat. And there's a lot of question marks about Kevin Muscat. You know, he I, I hate to go down the, the route of he gets it. Um, and I'll never say that a guy that played here for such a short period of time does get it. But he understands the Glasgow Goldfest having been here before. He's a bastard. You know, you, you just need to speak to, to listen to the ex-players. I think it's Peter Couch that came out recently and made the comment about when Kevin Muscat said he was going to break your legs. You literally knew he was going to oh, break he, he's your legs. borderline psychotic as a player.
0: I mean, I can't
1: how uh, that's changed it, as a manager. But. Well, isn't it absolutely marvellous how he was borderline psychotic as a manager where he was just this absolute nutter but he plays beautiful football as a manager Aye. It's, it's 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 bonkers how he's gone from kind of one extreme to the other but the, the, the concern i've got for for, for muscat is he's, he's taken over two jobs where um the system has been implemented and the players have been purchased um after Ange has has gone in there and kind of imprinted his his standards and then Muscat's kind of taken it on the next stage the big question mark over him for me is can he go in when that is not in place and be the man to introduce it and then embed it. Um, the only the only kind of job that he's had in Europe was in Belgium, and he, and he failed miserably. Um, and that's that's got to be the concern. So, um, I, I think if, if truth be told, Alex, there's pros and cons to every single name in the frame. There's no obvious candidate. You know, you look back at the Paul Le Guin era and Walter Smith was was back managing Scotland alongside Ali McCoy, and you just knew that that was the right appointment to, to steady the ship. We were a mess at that point, we're a mess now. You need someone to come in and steady the ship. We don't have a, a Sir Walter to come in and, and save Rangers right now, so you're looking at somebody else who 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 can do that. Um, I'd be bringing in someone permanent, back to your question. Um, ideally, I'd be looking for someone experienced. All three of those names we've just mentioned are experienced. Looking for somebody who's got a, a, a winning um pedigree, all three of those managers have got a winning pedigree. And I think that's what separates them from Frank Lampard. All of a sudden we're looking at managers who who win games of football, who win trophies rather than, than sell jerseys. You know, I think that was a concern around Frank Lampard is that was the the new CEO who 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 came from a commercial background, looking at it from a commercial perspective. You know, the guy that's implemented my to set up the Australian friendly Was he the right man to pick the Rangers manager who's going to come in? Um, Thankfully, it looks at Lampard's out of the equation. So it's back to to the three nives, but it wouldn't surprise me if another one throws up in the next 24 hours or so. But I think think we're going to see a fairly quick reaction. I think there was a soundbite around, we're going to take our time and we're going to make the right decision. Um, I think last night has sped things up. Yes. Um, So... I, I, I expect a name in the I, I expect a name in a hot seat. I expect somebody sitting um, in the hot seat during the international break. And I think, you know, much like Michael Beal, you know, dare I go back to to Geo for a minute? Um, I was a Geo fan. Um, I think a lot of the podcasters on net threw their weight behind Geo at the point where Geo was under pressure. And I think um, one of the things for for Geo is he was just dealt a really bad hand and. Within that bad hand, there was a lot of players out injured, and it and it was unfortunate for Geo that a lot of these guys started to to return from injury when when Michael Beale um, came in. I think it was like I think it was only the second or third time that it allowed a manager to play Conor Goldson and Ben Davies, um, our first choice partnership together. I think I think this international break said coming at the right time to allow supporters to regroup, the players to regroup. Hopefully, they allow the new manager to come in. But the other big factor as well is. Hopefully it allows players who've been out injured to return because you know, you're looking at that possible starting eleven right now for St. Mirren and you, you you look at the starting eleven against Aris. I'm not sure, you know, looking at at Aris last night, I'm not sure what else Stephen Davis could have done last night. Um you, you can there, was only no, there was
0: nothing you were not look at that team and thinking, Oh you've had a nightmare there, Devo it's like, what else is he going to do? And the okay. formation as well, you know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. So um
1: I think I think the lack of players is, is a big factor right now and hopefully come international break these guys will start to the to and, and are ready for when the new managers are in place.
0: Yeah and I I, I had my, my own say on the, the, the managers, the managerial candidates on the, there's a, I did a preview pod for the RS game so if you check that out folks and I'm basically just going through uh, with my kind of verbose opinions on the ones Dougie's been uh, talking about a bit, a bit more educatedly than myself. Um, but uh, Glasner, he wasn't, I didn't mention him, he hadn't, he hadn't kind of come to the fore at that point. And uh, the only one thing I'll say, it's it's pure bitchiness with me. Um, I maintain that Eintracht Frankfurt only won that trophy because they crapped out of everything domestically that season. They get put out in the, the, th- the, the very first round of the German Cup that they were in by a third division side and they finished mid table. I don't think they'd won a match in the Bundesliga since March or something. Um, when, when they played us and they only managed to beat us in penalty. Listen, they beat Barcelona in the new camp. They put out Betis. Uh, they struggled against Betis uh, in the last stages of that tournament as, as well, but uh, they're a great run. But uh, I, I would, I would have serious, uh, serious doubts about him from a purely insane, bitchy, um, just petulant point of view. You know, I've, I've no idea about the man's career outside that, outside that season. I just was so angry because it was like we've lost the European final to a team who crapped out. Uh, domestically and we've lost the league by just a f- four points to a team who crapped out in terms of Europe and, and had the league rearranged. I'm still trying to get over that season and then anyway, we last night falling hard upon it on St But uh, I mean, uh, there's quite a few folk have, have, have had that feeling of no looking forward to going to Paisley. Uh, sorry, folk for, you, for sure but um, amid all the, kind of, the, <laughs> the backlash and, and horror last Saturday's uh, no-show against Aberdeen, I totally failed to look at the league table. I you know, didn't really care about the league table after that debacle last week. Uh, but on Sunday, when the news broke that Michael Beal had been sacked, I flicked on Sky Sports News, and of course, they've got the league table up the screen. I was actually shocked to discover we were third. I didn't see how a team could, that lost three out of seven league games, could that be as high as third? You know, says a lot for Scottish football, but of course, now, smart ass Alec, we're away to the one, the, the team in second. Um, kind of, part of me felt kind of one consolation with Bill Sackham was it became so unavoidable so quickly. There was no doubt by the end of September, there was no doubt that he had to go, but we're now in a situation where if we slip up, (laughs) <laughs> I think there was a lot of talk about well, we're still in the four competitions even though we're already seven points behind Celtic and we we'll don't play in the Scottish Cup until January anyway. Um, but now suddenly it's like if we slip up at Paisley against uh, Stephen Robertson St Mirren are on their own form just now, they've no lost a game in the league this season, yeah, they're every bit as good as Aris Limassol as far as I can see. Is that really it? Are we now getting in a situation where it's over if we don't win eh, on Sunday? We could be nine, ten points behind them eh, early October. <laughs>
1: You know, I was looking at the league earlier on as well, um, because I was I was drawn to it by one of my mates who who happened to talk about the two teams that have beaten us so far, Alex. Nice. So Kilmarnock beat us. It was the only win of the season so far. Aberdeen beat us and it's only, you know, one of their two wins in the season so far. And I think one that shows you why we're third is um you get teams that are just Inconsistent. They'll, they'll 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 beat Rangers, but then they'll they'll get defeated the next week against you know Ross County. Um, but two, it shows you how bad those defeats are that, that we are getting beat against Kilmarnock. Who, who it's our only um, victory of the season, and that's the worry. On Sunday, we are we are going to play against the the on form team outside the old um uh, the team that deservedly sits second. Um, I'm in sure unfortunately. Um, these days and, 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 and a lot of the lovely, guys
0: a athlete, lovely town, city, sorry, a lovely place. <laughs> <isn't
1: it? laughs> um but a lot of the guys that I play football with now are St. Mirren fans and they are raving about this team. You know, they're all raving about the way that, that Stephen Robinson has been playing football, he's got them hard to beat, well set up. I think as we expect of some of these experienced managers in Scottish football, um he recruited well in the summer. He he, he went down the route of um less is more. He, he signed less players but of a higher quality um, and that was that was his route. So he's got a small, tight squad um, that right now, whilst they're all fit and healthy, um, are performing very, very well. Um, I, I'd love a Stato to tell me um, when the last thing was Rangers lost three games in a row but sitting here, Alex, I can't give any confidence that, that we are going to come away with three points on Sunday and, you know, that that whole kind of um <laughs> glimmer of hope around us being in four competitions I think we're out of the league I think come come Sunday the league's done and um, at this moment in time a little bit of realism we're in a fight for second place that's how bad we have dropped right now and I feel terrible saying that and I'm sure I'll get lambasted for saying it it's-
0: we, won, we won the battle for third. We won the battle. Remember we'd, we'd, we'd Motherwell well at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago, that was a battle for third. We won that. I'm confident we can push on and, and secure our top six place. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the season. <laughs> you know. And by the way, uh, Derek McInnes, uh, he stated at the end of last season, this is our next manager you're talking about potentially. You know, uh, He he stated at the end of last season that his, um, his goal, the, the only failure they had last season at Robbie Park was not beating Rangers or Celtic. And this season, if you throw a League Cup into it, he has beaten Rangers and Celtic uh, at Robbie Park, and and nobody else. I think so. That's that's concomitant with his uh, with his ambitions, there, <laughs> Mr. McInnes. Um, how, talking of somebody who likes to pick a team that's, that's not going to lose, uh, Dougie. How do you think what Steve Davis going to do? Is this the, the, the cries for dump them all? The first teamers pick the youth team. That that's not going to happen, is it? How's it? How is he going? Is he going to go with the same setup as last night? I think anyone who who
1: thinks an interim manager is going to come in. And make you know wholesale big big decisions is going to be disappointed i think stephen davis you know i've seen frankie's team and i think it's probably how everyone feels is rip up that back four and start an entirely different back four james tavernier and conor goldson will start on sunday that's the reality of it an interim manager is not going to come in and make a big call like that that's what the new manager when he is in place is going to be paid to do. He's going to be the one paid to make those decisions. Steven Davis, his job as interim manager is to see us through that interim period, not make any any decisions. that's going to have long term, long term impacts. The, the other huge factor in it here, and I know the first team is the priority, but Rangers B are playing on Saturday against Monaco B. That's uh, true. Uh, so, you know, I've seen McCausland's in um, and Lovelace is in Frankie's um, possible starting 11. I'd be surprised if you see any of these guys i mean they've got to be involved in the squad the squad's that that depleted right now there's got to be some guys involved in the squad but for me stephen davis won't make any um huge decisions because um yeah he, he's, he's here to to, to to kind of steady the ship not rock the boat um so for that reason i think i think there's going to be a lot of disappointed supporters when that, that team sheet comes out and you can already see the wee the wee pictures with the, the red circles and the red arrows right across the, the corner goes since James Tavernier's, um, John Lindstrom's the name that I've actually not mentioned so far and I've seen in the comments is, is Borna Barisic as well. Um, but I do think of all the players, Borna Barisic will not start on Sunday because um, unlike unlike the others where um, they probably hold that jersey right now, I think it's 50-50 right now between Borna and Red and Van. And Borah did absolutely nothing, um, midweek to suggest that he, he, he keeps that jersey. So I think, I think you'll see one change in that back four and, and I'd be surprised if, if, uh, if there's
0: any more. I think we should get along and watch the the youths against Monaco and we can suss out just what kind of youth development programme Clement and Mitchell put in place and if we should be barracking them before they've even arrived as we're director of football and manager. Uh, Dougie, absolutely different classmate, thanks so much. Uh, Sorry folks, we've we've run on a bit longer than usual there but I think circumstances like what we have experienced over the last uh, five or six days demand uh, a bit more chat and I want to thank Dougie in particular for having the guts to face up and and get into it. It's really difficult times for Rangers and and it's good to have guys like Dougie to come on and uh, give us his his forthright opinions and very entertaining they were too. Uh, Thanks very much to you as well, folks, for joining us. It really makes a massive difference, uh, especially at times like this. I'll have a wee post-match reaction pod uh, late Sunday lunchtime, hopefully reporting a a victory for Rangers at at Paisley. Fingers crossed for that one. And uh, on Sunday's flagship show at 930 Uh, live on YouTube we'll have Brian in the hot seat with Ian and John to give us their opinions on what's happened at Paisley during the day and what's happening at Rangers in general right now Uh, so thanks very much Dougie thanks listeners uh, and good night everybody